Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Hello. My name is Angel Joubert Johnson, and I am back. Woo! Okay. I am here to talk to you today about humility in 3D. But before I do that, I just kind of want to get a, a small song off of my chest. You are the fire, we are the temple, you are the voice, we are your song, you are God, we are your people. You are the light, we stand in awe. You called us out, out of the darkness, into your love, into your light. Grace upon grace, beauty for ashes. You come to us, we come alive. We stand in awe you. Need no music. <laughs> Took a page out of Courtney's book. Let us pray. Father, thank you for being our God. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you for being. And thank you for giving us life. Thank you for putting the breath that we breathe. Thank you for the breath that we have in our lungs. Thank you for this time. Thank you. Use me, God. I empty myself so that you could fill me, God. Get the glory. Get all of the glory. None of me, all of you, God. Touch our eyes to see, touch our ears to hear, and our hearts, make our hearts understand what word you want to go forth, God. Perfect the fruit of my lips today so that you and only you get the glory. Your message goes forth. Thank you, God. I'm so glad to be here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, today I'm going to talk about humility in 3D. And I promise you, I'm not going to be one of those teachers that try to come up with you know, super cool titles to sound relevant. But I am going to talk to you about humility, three dimensions of humility. It's not all-encompassing, but I'm only going to address three of them today. Death to self, dependence on God, devotion to others. Those are the three dimensions that I'm going to talk to you about today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. And I have it here in front of me. Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to read from verses 1 through 11. Reads as follows. So, and Paul is speaking. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, 
any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this has been the reading of the word. And let the church say, Amen. <clears throat> death to self. We hear a lot about death to self in the church, dying to yourself, crucifying your flesh. What does that mean and how does that tie into humility? Let's talk about what humility is. Humility is a state or quality of being humble, lowly of heart, being brought low. I discussed this last time I was here, but I want to represent to you four statements. I call them in me statements. We talk a lot about who we are in Christ, and we should, but I want to talk about who we are without Christ. And again, this is not all-encompassing, but in me, I am nothing. In me, I have nothing. In me, I know nothing. And in me, I can do nothing. Humility means the giving up of the self and taking of the place of perfect nothingness before God, which is a quote I took from Andrew Murray. So once again, in me, I am nothing, I have nothing, I know nothing, and I can do nothing by my own self. Can't do it. We have to keep these in me statements in mind or these, in, or these without Christ statements in mind. We have to fight for our humility. Humility is not going to just land in our lap. We have to fight for humility because we, because we're wrapped in this flesh, we are predisposed to pride. And you can't talk about humility without talking about pride. Pride is the absence of humility, sometimes seen as the opposite of humility. Pride founds itself on lies, while humility deals with truths. Think about the father of lies, Satan, who believed that he could be equal with God, or even get that out of here. You don't even come close, devil. So he believed that, and that's the pride that got him, the morning star, kicked out of heaven. Mm -mm. Pride is no good. And the Bible says that pride comes before the fall. Actually, we, we tend to mash that scripture together. It says uh, pride comes before destruction. 
haughtiness before the fall. God resists the proud. You don't want to be someone that God resists. Our fallen nature is rooted in pride, which is why I again say we have to fight to be humble. We have to fight for our humility or else we will walk around with an over-exaggerated self-esteem to be conceited and high and lofty and that's, that's not what we're supposed to be. That's not what Jesus was. And as a reminder, pride is independence from God. Pride means, oh, I got it. I don't need you. When you have to keep in mind those in me statements, I am nothing, I have nothing, I know nothing, and I can do nothing. Separation from God, when you are, when you are prideful, you are independent from God. Separation from God is spiritual death. Remember, we are spiritual beings trying to master the human experience. We are spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. Petey says that all the time. So let's look to Jesus. The scripture I read to you before is an example of Christ's humility. And I talked about this before when I was up here, but I struggled with seeing Jesus as humble. I kind of thought he was too boss to be humble. He would say a lot of things that did not sound humble to me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Does that sound humble to you? Uh, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the Lord. I am the teacher. He would say, he would talk about his father. He would talk about God, his father. And the disciples would be like, what, what, what do you mean? His father? What? Like, those things to me did not seem humble. But remember what I said earlier. Humility deals with truths. And everything that Jesus said is truth. So he, God, he, Jesus was not prideful. <laughs> Let's not state that at all. Jesus was actually very humble. He was incredibly humble. It's humbling to know how humble Jesus was. I'm going to go into just how humble he was. Because the question I had to ask myself was, is Jesus really humble? Philippians 2, same scripture from before, but verse 6. Back to verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He's equal with God. But emptied himself, verse 7, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. The word, Jesus, the word, was made flesh and dwelt among us. So somebody who's Jesus, okay, we're talking about Jesus. Jesus, high and mighty, like when we talk about high and mighty, he actually is high and mighty. And he came and dwelt among us. Who's, we're not high and mighty. We suck. <laughs> so, so he says, I came from the Father and entered the world. Why would you leave the Father? Why would you leave God? Why would you leave that cushy, <laughs> that comfortable spot and come down to earth? Some people don't want to be on earth right now. Have you seen the news? Have you seen the news? Some people don't want to be here right now. But Jesus 
left his post and came down here for us, for you, for me. That blows my mind. That blows my mind. If you, if you, if you were Jesus, would, would you go into the world and die? Would you do that? I certainly wouldn't. I was watching an episode of DuckTales. Yep, I'm talking about DuckTales. And uh, not, the, not the old one, but the, the, the newer version, the 2017 version, by the way, is fire. You should definitely go check it out. Sorry, just, just put nerd at the bottom down there, David. Just let everybody know I'm a nerd. But I was watching DuckTales, and there, there was this episode where Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Webby, they had been given godlike powers from the, the, the gods that, you know, one of the gods had a sick day and they needed somebody to replace him or something. And they're like, hey, you know, let's give you these godlike powers and let's see how you do with it. And I promise you, not one of them said, you know what, I'm just going to relinquish these and I just want to be among the people. Like one of them was trying to turn everything into gold. One of them was trying to make everybody happy. And one of, like when you have like these supernatural, spectacular powers, for lack of a better term, like you're not trying to humble yourself. <laughs> you're trying, you trying to go all out. You're trying to play boss mode. You're trying to play like you're trying to be like, oh, okay, let, all right, let's, let's have a little fun. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did the opposite, and he could have, but didn't. Jesus humbled himself so much that he came into the world as a baby. You know what that means? That means he soiled himself. That means other people had to wipe his butt. Just think about that for a minute. Don't, don't think too hard on it, but think about it for a minute. Other people had to wipe his butt. Tell me that's not being humble. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> where am I going with this, right? Jesus came into the world and felt hunger, you know, felt hunger like us, felt the cold air or felt the heat, felt dirt on his feet. What? Why would he do that? So humble. Verse 8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, which I believe the dying on a cross was humiliating. I thought it very interesting that humility and humiliation have kind of the same root, same root word. But Jesus died. He was obedient to the point of death, or sometimes the scripture says unto death. And in my mind, Jesus, go with me on this, Jesus obeyed death. Jesus, being fully God, fully man, submitted himself to death. Jesus, pre-existing death, Okay, because in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. So pre-existing death came into the world and laid his life down. He said, I lay it down. He said, nobody takes it from me. I lay it down in my own accord. When was the last time you looked at death and said, mm, today's not a good day. <laughs> like Jesus actually submit himself up to the point of dying. For who? For you. For who? For me. 
For who? For us. He died to himself for us. And one more quote I'm going to give to you from Andrew Murray. It says, only humility leads to perfect death. Only death perfects humility. Humility and death are in their very nature one. Humility is the bud. In death, the fruit is ripened to perfection. Humility leads to perfect death. Dying to self. Jesus didn't want to take that cup. He cried furiously. Like the Bible says, some of his tears turned to blood. He cried. He begged his father, please, if there's any other way that this could be done. Jesus kept it real. Like I said, humility deals with truths. And Jesus kept it real all the way up to and through dying on the cross. It doesn't get more humble than that. And so if death is the perfection of humility, I pose to you this question. I'm not going to answer it. I'm just going to pose it to you. Is it possible to be too humble? Should we strive to be too humble? I had always been told that anything done in excess is done in error. But is it possible to be too humble? I'll leave you with that. Just as Jesus was crucified, so we too must crucify our flesh and die to ourselves. One of the reasons, one of the main reasons why we're doing the fast. KLM is doing a 40-day fast, which starts today. Woo, I can hear everybody. I, I, there's no one here, <laughs> but I can hear everybody just shouting, just celebrating. Woo! 40-day fast. And if you would like more information about our fast, you can go to kingdomlivingnj.org slash fast. Right, David? All right. Uh, I'm sure he'll put that up there if he didn't do it already. Um, so Courtney so very elegantly talked about fast forward last week. And the fast, one of the things that we have to do is die to ourselves, is not feed our flesh, turn the plate over, and truly subdue ourselves and submit ourselves to God. I need help with that. A lot of us need help with fasting. One of the reasons why we have to totally, fully, utterly depend on God, which is my second dimension of humility, dependence upon God. So once again, Humility, state or quality of being humble, lowly of heart. It is also the place of entire dependency upon God. The Bible says, popular scripture, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, which to me says that you can trust in the Lord with some of your heart, but that's not what he's asking you to do. You have to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Verse 6, in all of your ways, which tells me there, you can do it in some of your ways. You're not supposed to do it in some of your ways. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Or some translations say he will make your path straight. How many of us got some crooked paths that need straightening? I do. I can be transparent. I got tons of paths that need straightening. And I need to depend on God fully in order to be able to have that done. 
Also in Philippians 4, verse 6, I know I'm throwing so many scriptures at you, David, it's, it's, but Philippians 4, verse 6, and I talked about Philippians 4, 6 last time I was up here. It says, do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation. So there's, there's that all, there's that every term in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God. One of the ways that you can check if you're actually being humble is look at your prayer life. When you pray to God, you are acknowledging that you need him for something, that you need him to do something, that you need him to undo something, that you need him for a conversation. You know, prayer should be a dialogue and not just a monologue. You should be able to commune with the Father. So look at your prayer life. If it's a little anemic, then you can fix that. <laughs> you, can, you can fix that. You, you know, it, you pray, pray some more. Nothing like today. You, you could start today. Start today. No condemnation. Start today. If you could be praying more, pray more, pray more. The Bible says pray unceasingly. The Bible says pray in all things. Present your request known to God. Now, I'm somebody who deals with anxiety. And a lot of the times when I'm anxious, it's because I'm trying to put my hands on something. I'm trying to be the one to fix it. I'm trying to be the one to figure it out. I'm, I, oh, I can't, oh, how do I do this? How do I, how do I, how do I? I don't, because remember, I am nothing. I have nothing, I know nothing, and I can do nothing without Christ. And the amazing, beautiful thing is, verse seven, Philippians four, verse seven, coming after that, let me start, let me go back to six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I didn't know that last time I was up here. <laughs> I will just be honest. But I mean, I knew it, but I didn't know that that scripture was like right there. We talk a lot about the peace that surpasses understanding, and that's good. We need to talk about the peace that surpasses understanding, the peace of God that surpasses understanding. But I didn't know that that peace, again, that surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and mind. Really? So think of it like your heart and your mind, your mind, your heart. And I know David hates this when people go back here because they go out of focus. I want to be out of focus because what I want to be in focus is peace that is guarding your heart and your mind. So when anxiety comes a knocking on the door, hey, let me in, hey, I got some mail for you. Hey, I, I wanna tell you something. Peace is guarding your heart and mind saying, get out of here, you ain't coming in here, no be gone. So whatever needs to come into your heart, into your mind, you know, love and, and joy and, 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 and happiness, and you know, the guard will be like, come on in. But anxiety, think of a guard. You think of, you know, like a dude with a shield or something, or you, you think of something, you think of a guard, somebody with a spear, you know, something like you ain't getting in here. And that blessed me when I read that scripture. So I hope it blesses you too. Do you depend on God? So I'm just asking you that question. Don't, you don't have to answer it unless you want to in the chat. But do you also have peace 
that's also a way to see that you are depending on God. That's also a manifestation of your dependence upon God. And I don't mean ignorance. I mean peace. Because you can be ignorant about some things and you, you could just be walking around just like, yeah, I'm just, you know, this is just great. But you could, no. So I mean peace in the truth. So ask God to show you where you may be ignorant. So show you where you may be desensitized so that you can have true peace. Because you might feel some type of way if you felt peaceful about something when you shouldn't have. And then something goes wrong and then you blame God if you weren't walking in truth. Like so many preachers say, that wasn't in my notes. Um, sorry. <clears throat> Without Christ, <laughs> I am nothing. I know nothing. I have nothing and can do nothing. But with Christ, I am somebody. With Christ, I was worth dying for. You were worth dying for. Do you understand that you were worth dying for? That God existing out of time would know your present, past, and future. He would know how much you would screw up. He knows how much you would mess up. He knows how much you messed up. He knows how much you're messing up right now. He knows how much you're gonna mess up in the future. And yet still felt it necessary to send his son to die so that you could accept the free gift of salvation. You are worth that. Jesus dying on the cross, being humiliated. You are worth that. We are worth that. With Christ, I know, without Christ, I know nothing. But with Christ, I have the mind of Christ. God, who is completely omniscient, we say he's omnipotent, we say he's omnipresent, he's omniscient, he knows everything. So if I have the mind of Christ, don't I know everything too? I know the person who knows everything. How about that? So God will reveal to me everything that I need to know whenever I need to know it. But I have the mind of Christ. With Christ, I have an inheritance. So by myself, I have nothing. But with Christ, I have an inheritance. With Christ, God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory, by Christ Jesus. And the Bible also says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So in me, I can do nothing. But in Christ, nothing is impossible. Again, let's look to Jesus. Did Jesus depend on God? It's kind of difficult to talk about Jesus and God because Jesus and God are, are you know what, I'm not going to go into the triune God right now, but did Christ depend on God. Let's look to John. Uh, you don't have to actually go to these scriptures, but it, John 5 is just a glimpse of how Jesus actually depended on God. Jesus actually relied on God. Jesus would say, like in John 5, 19, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. John 5.30 says, this is Jesus speaking, by myself I can do nothing. Now, if Jesus said it, how much more do we need to say it? John 5.41, I don't accept glory from human beings. And neither should we. Now, time out, time out, time out. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. It's okay to get recognition from man. 
As a matter of fact, recognition is, is good in the workplace. It's a, it's a motivator for your employees. I get it. Like, you know, I get it. I get it. It's good to be recognized for your efforts, but it should not come above. It should not come above wanting to give glory to God. You having to desire to get glory from man should not come above you wanting to give glory to God and you letting God exalt you. Humble yourself and God will exalt you. So I'm not saying, you know, it's not all right to acknowledge people, but put it in perspective and make sure that you have your priorities straight. Now, that's only something that you can do. But that's between you and God. You know whether you're in line or whether you're out of line. I've said enough on that. <clears throat> Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 17, and I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. I think it's the ESV version, but I, I'm not sure. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Again, if you're just joining us, I'm talking about humility in 3D, and this is the point where we're talking about dependence upon God. We are right now in Jeremiah 17, verse 5. It reads this way. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Verse 7. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. That was Jeremiah 17 verses 5 through 8. Depending on God, will equip us to be ready in season and out of season. It's important to depend on God. God is everything that we need. Let's talk about the third dimension of humility, devotion to others. I'm going to talk about what Courtney mentioned last week, Lady Courtney. God bless her. She was so honest last week <laughs> talking about the fast and fast forward. And she said, be people. Those were her exact words. Get in line and be people. And you know what? The emphasis needed to be there because we live in a very individualistic society. We live in a I'm a do me society. I'm going to do me, you do you. All right, you know, you don't infringe upon my rights. I'm not going to infringe upon your rights. All right, fam, deuces. I'm not hood at all whatsoever. But so <clears throat> stop trying to do your own thing. That's what Courtney emphasized last week, you know, trying to get us together and, and do a fast as a, as a community, unity in community. David with the graphic. <laughs> and so we have to stop trying to do what we want to do just for ourselves. Now, this is, this is especially what humility is, is really primarily known for. You know, it's, it's, it's considering others. It's, it's you know what, I'm going to, 
Courtney talked about Psalm 133, and I liked it. It said, how good and pleasant is it when God's people dwell together in unity? It's like oil on your head. And if you a kinky, coily sister like me, and you get that oil on your head, you get that jojoba, or you get the grapeseed oil, or you get the whatever works for you, but when you get the oil on your head, yes! <laughs> that's, that's, for, that's for anybody. Um, but there is power in unity. Look at the story of the Tower of Babel, or Babel, or Babel. I guess, they, I guess it's funny you call it Babel because that's when God confused all the languages and then and said everybody sounded like they were babbling because they knew they had power that when, when they were unified and they had one mission that they were all striving for and they had power and it was because it was not of God and it was not to glorify God, it was formidable. So God had to, God had to you know, trip them up. You think about the power of unity. You think about, you know... I know we want to leave 2020 alone, but we got some things done with those protests, didn't we? When we came together, I'm not really referring to what happened last week. I'm talking about like, you know, um, you know, the protests, protests, good protests, okay? Peaceful protests, right? That's, 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 what, that's what I'm talking about. We got some things done because we came together as a people with a, on a united front, and that's what we need to do. But what does this have to do with devotion to others? I caught the vision. So my man David back there, he preached a, a word called catch the vision. And he was talking about the ministry of helps. And he was talking about how we need to serve one another in the body of Christ. And yes, this couldn't be more true. And I'm going to bite off of him for a minute because this illusion that he, that he gave about the, the body, think of the body. What if your kidneys decided, I'm going to do me today? Like, what if your heart decided, you know what, I'm going to do me today. Peace. That's your heart. What if your hand just decided, you know what, I, I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And you're driving, and your hand all of a sudden just wants to go and just, and just be individualistic. And I do, no, 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 come back. I need you at this 10 and 2. I need you at this 10 and 2. What are you doing? What are you doing? Stop. Boom. Your hand just got in that same car accident as the rest of your body. This is why we need to serve the body. We need to be one. You, you know how powerful it is. Even though you see the hand, there are things that are in the body that are, that are covered, uh, you know, like your heart is, you know, covered by your ribs, your kidneys. You know, people think that there are certain pieces of the body that are more important than the other. But we are a whole body. And we are all important, or else it wouldn't be part of the body. Have you ever stubbed your toe? <laughs> Bang! And all of a sudden, you just you your life flashes before your eyes, and you just rethink all of your life's decisions. You're like, "Bang! Oh, why did I date that guy? Ah!" Like you just your whole just for that one little tiny toe, and your whole life stopped for a tiny toe. I'm trying to tell you. Even if you feel like a toe, you are important, okay? You are important. You are necessary. We need you. We need you, okay? All the toes, stand up. We need you. All right. There is a self-care movement, and I'm not against the self-care movement. I'm not against the self-care movement. Sometimes we need to just get into a space and just, and just care for ourselves. We have, we have to do that. That should not be above 
serving the community, serving the body. That should not be above you being a servant. That should not be above it. What, is, what, is, what does the Bible say? What do my notes say? And back to Philippians 2 verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And verse 4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And I like that version because there are some versions that say, don't look to your interests at all. You have to look to some of your interests, okay? But not only to your own interests, and you have to look to other people's interests as well. Jesus knew how to look to his own interests. What? Did he? Jesus knew how to steal away. Jesus knew he would frequently go into the wilderness and pray. Jesus knew how to step back and step out and talk to the Father. When things got too hot and people were trying to kill him, Jesus knew how to bob and weave. Jesus knew how to take care of himself because he had to fulfill the prophecies. So if Jesus knows how to step away and self-care, we need to know how to step away and self-care. But did that come above him being a servant? Jesus was a feet washer. I know I talked about this last time, so I'm not going to go into it again, but Jesus was a feet washer, and Jesus served everybody. He came into this world to be a servant. Jesus, equal with God, came to be a servant. He deserved to be served, but he came to serve. We need each other, and somehow this Jesus and me, and it's just me and Jesus, somehow that snuck into the church. P.D. talks about that song, Long As I Got King Jesus. Long, long, long as I got him, don't need nobody else. No, we need each other. No, we, we need each other. Actually, there's another song that, that I listened to. It, was, it used to be one of my favorite songs, and I didn't know it, that the song is called Over and Over Again. Over and Over Again, Over and Over Again. You prove yourself to be the only friend I need. And it just sneaks in there. And it's like, okay, okay, I get what you're saying. I understand that Jesus is your all in all. But if you're not careful, you'll start to think that you, it's just you and Jesus. You'll start to think that Jesus is your homeboy. We don't think that here at KLM. Uh, you, you start to think that it's just me and Jesus. I don't need to go to church. It's just me and Jesus. I'm just going to read the Bible. Oh, no, 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 no. You need community. You need church. You need devotion to others. Why would God send gifts of prophecy and healing if there was no one to prophesy to and if there was no one to heal? We need each other. We need each other. In the body and out of the body. I keep saying Christians need more out-of-body experiences because sometimes we only serve each other. And we need to serve those who don't know Christ who don't know that with Christ they can do all things. We need to serve those who don't know that they could have the same inheritances that we have. We need to love one another. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus did. Jesus sat with the, with the, the, the tax, the, not the taxpayers, the <laughs> but, well, actually, I think he did sit with the taxpayers too, but he said the, the, the sinners and the tax collectors. It's so funny how they're like grouped together. But anyway, anyway, we need each other. I'm going to go to Ephesians 4, 2 through 3. You don't have to go there, but the scripture says, Be completely humble and gentle. 
be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, humility is a component of love. So I'm talking about these different components of humility, but humility in and of itself is a component of love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's that peace again. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So let God exalt you. Be humble. If you humble yourself, God will exalt you. If you exalt yourself, God will humble you. Do you want God to humble you? Because he could do it. That's a little intimidating for me. Let God exalt you. I'm going to go back to uh, Philippians 2, verse 9. We're talking about Jesus. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Verse 11, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when God exalts you, oh, you're exalted, exalted. Jesus humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. Jesus humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. And Jesus was crushed. But it's that same hand that lifted him up. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And we have to do the same thing. We have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And guess what? We might get crushed too. I never said anything about this walk being easy. Being humble is not easy. You talk about perfect death. <laughs> Humility is perfected in death not easy and you you might get your feelings hurt you might get offended but let God exalt you let God exalt you so how are we supposed to be humble I have to apologize I don't have you know six steps to improving your humility or you know five ways that you could I, I'm I really just wanted to focus on grace because God gives grace to the humble. And what we need is grace in order to help us to be humble. That's why we need to depend on God. We need to ask God for the grace to be humble. This is a work of the Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this thing on our own. And we may suffer through humiliation. But in the end, it'll all be worth it. We have to depend on God to help us with our humility. How many can admit they need help being humble? I can admit I need help with being humble. Let me, tell, let, me, let, me, let me tell you something real quick. You know, I've been up here before. Several people have been up here before. And they got to preach and they got to finish their messages. But me, first time I came up here, I walked in this church. I was carried out on a stretcher. I, you want to talk about my pride being shot in the foot that day? We got a lot of beautiful speakers that come up here and, and they preach and they teach and they get to finish and they get to go home. I had to go to the hospital. So I felt like, oh, you know what, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I can't do this. Maybe this is not for me. Maybe I go back to PD. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is not my season, PD. Maybe this is just not, maybe I can't do it. And the truth is, I can't. The truth is, I cannot do this. The truth is, I'm not doing this. 
by myself. The truth is I am wholly, fully, utterly depending on God to stand before you right here. And he is the one that preserved me, not me. God preserved me. God kept me. God kept me. And here I am standing before you. I'm going to finish this word. Hi. Hallelujah. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. Hey, listen, it takes grace to be humble, but it also takes grace to receive praise. Okay. It's, uh, it, it's not being humble when you reject a blessing. You, when someone tries to bless you and you're like, ah, no, nah, I don't need it. Thank you, but no, thank you. You know, I, I, I'm good. I'm good. That's not always humility. Some of that is pride. It takes, I'll repeat it. It takes grace to be a giver and it takes grace to be a receiver too. How is it that you're not going to be able to receive from people you expect to receive from God? Who's using those people? Those people are trying to serve you. It takes grace to be a giver and grace to be a receiver. So we have to ask God for the grace to be humble and the grace to give and the grace to receive. Because sometimes giving, sometimes receiving can sound like I need help with something and we don't always want to admit that we need help. That's where your humility comes in. I am nothing. I can do nothing. <laughs> and if God wants to use people to help you, depend on God to help others devote themselves to you. And don't get in the way, die to yourself, and receive your blessing. And after that, we can go from grace to glory. Hey! I'm telling you, we, had a, we got a lot of good speakers here, and I, and I feed off of that, which is why my feelings were so hurt when I didn't get to finish this message before. But you know what? But God, not me. It's not about me. It's not about me. I decrease. I empty, just like Jesus empty. Jesus is the model of humility, and we should follow that model to the T. Now, now can we? Like, are we going to be able to do everything that Jesus did? No, but we should try. We should strive to be like Jesus, strive to have the mind of Jesus, strive to serve like Jesus served, depend on God like Jesus depended on God. Die to self like Jesus died to self. One more scripture I'm going to go over, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, which is the scripture that Courtney also went over last week. If my people who are called by my name who humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We need our land healed. I can't even address all the other stuff that we, I can't, I can't. Well, I can't, I just won't. But we need our land healed. And so one of the things that you could do in learning to apply humility into your life, look at these scriptures and everywhere where you see humble or humility, you can incorporate dying to self, depending on God, devoting to others. So let me read the scripture again. If my people who are called by my name will depend on me, die to themselves and devote themselves to others and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. We need our 
land healed. Humility is a great place to start because we don't talk about it much in the church. We talk a lot about pride, but we need to be humble. We need to be humble because that's the beginning of something great. That's the beginning of letting God use you and letting God exalt you. Not that you should strive for that. You know, check yourself. Check, check your motives. In everything that you do, check your motives. Because false humility is taking pride in your humility. And that's not humility. So always check your motives. A humble brag is an oxymoron. <laughs> let other people brag about you, but more importantly, let God exalt you. Again, the Bible says if you humble yourself, God will exalt you. But if you exalt yourself, if you feed upon the glory of man, God will humble you. So I ask you again, is it possible to be too humble? Or is it something that we should strive for? Let us pray. Dear God, thank you so much for helping me get through this sermon. Yes, Jesus, and amen. And God, I ask for those who are watching, for those who are in earshot, I pray, God, that you give them the grace to be, give them the grace to be humble, more humble. Give them the grace to be givers. Give them the grace to be receivers and touch their hearts so that they know who they are in Christ. And for those who may be listening who don't know Christ, I pray that they come to learn about the beauty of nothingness and how Jesus can be all that they need and that Jesus loves them. To all those who may be listening who don't know you, Jesus loved you, died on the cross for you. He humbled himself the most for you. God, thank you for KLM. Thank you for our fast. Thank you for this time where we come together to learn how you sent your son to be humble and that you exalted him and exalted his name. His name is above every name. If his name is exalted, just imagine how much he himself <laughs> is so worthy to be praised. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, God. Send your spirit, God. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.